Hey everyone, thank you for tuning into this installment of the P2 podcast. We are doing another Q&A. Um, we have two questions, more of like a 1A, 1B, just to kind of get us primed up and ready to go. I posted a Q&A on my story last week, got a lot of good feedback, some scientific stuff, but honestly, I think you guys care a lot more about the contextual and opinionated stuff. So Bryce and, Bryce and I are here to uh, to get you guys fired up and hear your opinions. So um, welcome. And uh, we'll go ahead and roll on in. Unless Bryce wants to say something to the people, I'll start with question number one to get us going. I don't want to say anything. Sweet. So question one, uh, pretty simple one, but I think it's good to just remind people our opinion as coaches. You give your spiel. You know, if someone comes in and they have high motivation, but you find very soon that they have low discipline versus a person who might have very high discipline, but you can't get them motivated to do anything. You know, do you have a preference in the kind of, you know, client you want to work with? Do you find one to be more valuable than the other? Um, and how do you, you balance the two? Well, for one, I'll say that the qualities can kind of blend a lot, right? Yeah. It's really, really hard to be able to separate what is pure motivation from what is pure discipline and someone that you're working with, or even just like someone that you're acquainted with. So that's one part of this. And another is figuring out like what exactly they need to be motivated for and what exactly they need to be disciplined for. If someone is a competitor with a, a big event on the horizon, yeah, they need some motivation to be able to like bridge that gap and get them there. They need to be motivated to work hard. They need to be motivated by their competition. They need to be, be motivated by like the idea of winning or victory or, you know, prize money or whatever it might be. If you're a single mom of three, what do you need to be motivated by? I mean, in, in terms of fitness, right? Like, right, right, right. I mean, if you're very unhealthy, maybe the, the motivation is, you know, to be able to better play with your children or live longer for your children or whatever, right? Like better, better provide for your family. Maybe that's the motivation, but like, that's a really fucking strong motivator as well. Right. I do think it's important to like say not everyone really has like these long-term motivators or like these event oriented motivators where you can say, Hey, like I have a deadline. I have a timeline. I need to be zoned in from here until then and like get my shit together. That's number one. But I think discipline is something that like carries across everything, yeah. right? Like you can have absolutely no motivation still be disciplined and still get your shit done, right? Like there are oftentimes I'm not motivated to do anything related to fitness, but I'm so disciplined with my habits from years of being on top of my shit and being motivated in the past, right? Right. Now it's pretty much in my DNA. Like it's in my personality to do fitness things, even though I'm not motivated to continue to do fitness things in any like broad sense of that word, you know, like I don't have any events. Coming up, I don't really have any tangible goals related to like my physique or my performance or anything like that, but my discipline around going to the gym around, you know, I say sleep habits, but like trying to improve my sleep habits, my nutrition habits, stress management, like all those things that is all so like fundamental to my personality at this point that I don't need motivation to continue to do those things. So for me. I would say discipline is, is more important, but discipline also takes a lot of time 
to reinforce and to build because it's it's habit based, right? Not everybody has a very disciplined personality naturally. So you tend to have to build really, really good productive habits around any discipline that you have as a personality trait. Whereas motivation can bridge a lot of like lack of discipline gaps mm -hmm. you might have. So if someone's very highly motivated, but very not disciplined, they can kind of still get where they need to go. They can navigate those things. But my problem here is like motivate motivation is generally super transient, right? Super transient. Like you can't rely on motivation long-term to get you where you want to go. And we see this with a lot of our clients that people that have come and gone in the past where it's like, they come in highly motivated to get in shape, to lose 30 pounds, to get jacked, to step on stage, do whatever. And then as soon as that motivation disappears, we never hear from them again. Right. And it's because they got really excited about something. It's a rush of dopamine. And then once they no longer get that hit, they don't have the discipline to carry them all the way through. So that's my perspective on it. And um, I think both are useful, but I, I will always lean into discipline more. Definitely. No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty aligned there. I think for me, like you said, they, I think she think they are a little less intertwined than probably you, um, illustrated there. Uh, for me, I bucket them very differently. Discipline is it's habit-based. It's, it's programmable. Like once you, once you have the algorithm for your disciplinary outlook on things, like how you are like, this is how I approach this. It's usually how you approach everything, right? That whole like cliche, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Motivation is emotional and like all emotions, it's fleeting. So I've always looked at it when it comes down to motivation versus discipline. I care far more about discipline when it comes down to long-term goals. We want to achieve something that is in the distant future. But when it comes down to a sprint, right? Not a, a marathon, but I need you to sprint. I need you to be, I need to be able to highly motivate you, right? When you're on a football field, you, you want players who are disciplined, right? Who practiced week after week after week and are going to be at their proper assignments. Yeah. But also once the ball is in the air, I want motivation. I want you to run through this motherfucker. Like I, I need you to come out with the emotional aspect of it, right? Your form up tackle, the discipline and just the, the thing that's just kind of grounding you. Um, so as a coach, as a person who works with people who have long-term goals, I always lean into discipline for myself and for those certain clients. And I'm sure you have them as well. You know, I, I the Marissa that I had, I have Gracie now, I have Sierra, uh, to name a few, not to leave people off the list, but people that I know, like that I can motivate and then turn them around, like wind them up and they will just run through a brick wall, right? They can't do it over and over again, but when I even do it this one time, I can get them to do it. And like, even for me, I know, like you said, we don't have to go and motivate ourselves to go into the gym. Like it's, it's like getting up and eating breakfast Yeah. Um, on leg day when I'm doing like a fucking back down set or a cluster set on a leg press, I'm not going to lie, bro. I'd I make up enemies. I sit there and I, 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 I had pretty much all my relationships have ended amicably, but when I'm in that last set, all of them hated on me. All of them left me for somebody else. Like I'm like, I'm mad at everybody because I know I need this, this edge to kind of like sit on top of my discipline to push this to where I want it to go. Yeah. Like as you were talking, I thought of like a super nerdy analogy to how we can look at this, right? Like discipline is more like your oxidative phosphorylation system, right? It's, it's your Krebs cycle. Well, no, wait, no, no. It's your, um, 
it's <laughs> your proton transport, right? Like it's Christ. It, yeah. That's what that is. No, Krebs cycle. That's that is uh glycolysis, excuse me. Um, but anyway, so you basically have something that's foundational, right? That's always running, it's operating in the background. It is keeping you going, but you don't have to think about it, right? It's it's a habit. That's what that's what discipline is. Motivation is your fossil creatine system, mm -hmm. right? That's bursts of energy anaerobic. going. Yeah, that's bursts of energy to keep you going. That's your hundred meter sprints. That's your your you know dunk from the free throw line. That's your sprinting across the field to make like a game saving tackle, right? Like that's your motivation because you can't always be highly motivated. Otherwise you'll burn out. You'll run yourself in the ground. Right. You can always be disciplined as fuck. And the thing is though, is like you can be disciplined until you find that motivation again, right? Your, your fat continues to operate in the background. You continue generating ATP nice and slowly. Your body's still working even whenever you're just chilling, being a sloth, right? But whenever you need to get up and you need a sprint, you have that fossil creatine system. You have your your anaerobic system to get you going and make sure that you're moving as fast as you possibly can. That's the way that I kind of view this stuff. You yeah. can't always redline yourself with motivation. You have to save up your motivation until you actually need it. Discipline gets you all the way there whenever you're not having to worry about it. It's your subconscious focus, your subconscious energy, your subconscious you know task achievement. Yeah. As you were saying that, I thought about, obviously, like you, we have what we do in a more explicit sense when like we're peaking bodybuilding athletes, but then you think about field sport athletes and when you want them to peak, right? And it's typically not at the beginning of the season. You want them to peak somewhere near the middle of the season, come back down a bit and peak his playoffs hit right postseason comes. And it's kind of what you want motivation to do, right? Like you said, you, you don't want to burn out, but you want to be able to strategically place these opportunities to be highly motivated. Hey, I'm going to need to generate a good amount of like momentum here to overcome this, you know, just uphill inertia. So by the time I get to the top, I can just sprint through whatever it is. I, I've built that up and I have it in the tank. You know, like you said, you didn't burn out. So no, I like, I like the nerd, um, analogies. Those I think land well, because they, they, they can't be forgotten. Um, I like, I don't just side clause. Bryce doesn't forget anything he reads. Bryce and I's major were pretty much exactly majors were exactly the same. And this motherfucker can recite the Krebs cycle. I don't know how many listeners who don't deal in the space can recite the Krebs cycle, but this he could draw it for you right now. So um, I, can picture, I can picture it. It's the enzymes that always get me. Fair enough. Yeah, whatever. Either way. Um, I think that's a really good segue into question one B, which this one fired up several people. And I also know that it's a kind of like ongoing debate on Instagram, on social media in general, when it comes down to certain coaches, motivators, mentors, and this idea that everyone has the same 24 hours. And this is obviously in reference to, um, the last question, Hey, you can't accomplish or you can't accomplish certain things. Are you weighing that against what someone else can or accomplish, can or can't accomplish in that same amount of time, right? Do Bryce and I have the same 24 hours? Do we have the same 24 hours as our listeners? Uh, and I think that, you know, we talked a bit about this before the call, but I think there are several good points that we hit that we can also circle back to and, you know, continue to um, kind of build on. But I'll let you kind of let people know, like, short answer. Yeah. Do we all have the same 24 hours? Um, 
I mean, I'm such a fucking logical person. I'm gonna say yes. But uh, what I will say is I I do not view my 24 hours the same as I view Paige's 24 hours. And for anyone who might be listening, Paige is one of our coaches. She has a family. She has two daughters. She's currently eight months pregnant with a third daughter. She has a full client roster. She does everything, does everything, creates content every single day. Like she has wrote a fucking book. Like she literally does everything, right? My life compared to Paige's is infinitely easier and infinitely more open. Yeah, like we have other responsibilities and other tasks, right? But I I view Paige as having a different 24 hours than I do. And I would not try and compare those 24 hours either. Because I know that if I were to try and add a kid or two kids or God forbid three kids into the mix. God forbid. God forbid three kids. Um, God forbid one kid, right? But I would I would lose my fucking mind. Like, I always think about that. I'm like, I don't understand how people do this stuff. Like, I don't, I don't understand how you have a kid or a family or, you know, X, Y, Z and still are able to do all of the same stuff. Like, I, I just don't get it because I don't have children. I don't really have a family. And I still barely feel like I can get my shit done, right? Like, so I don't understand that. But the thing is, is that everyone does have the same 24 hours. It's just over time people learn how to better accommodate increasing responsibilities or you don't, but then if you don't anyway, right, that's where a lot of problems come in. But generally people, generally people don't go from zero kids to three kids overnight, right? Sure. If you adopt three kids, like you might do that, but most people in their right mind would not do that, you know? And that I think does give a little bit of like, a gradient to the problem to where it's like you don't go from zero to three in you know a very short period of time you get an opportunity to gradually accustom yourself to different time frames and different responsibilities and different ways of operating so if you have one kid and you need to wake up 30 minutes earlier to accommodate that you do it if you have a second kid and you need to wake up even 30 minutes earlier but then go to bed 30 minutes earlier you do it you have a third kid and you realize, shit, we need to hire a nanny, then you do it. But it's like you learn on the fly how to better manage your time. So while I would not say Paige and I had the same 24 hours in subjective experience, objectively, the clock isn't going to lie. You know what I mean? But I do think it is important to understand that context is extremely different. And I would never tell someone who has a very peculiar peculiar context um like Paige does that I can't comprehend. I would never tell Paige like hey just suck it up. Right. Because I don't understand what she's dealing with because I've never dealt with that. So maybe people are going to get upset at me for saying that the clock is the same for everyone but at the same time um you know you you have to understand people's situations and their circumstances and you can't try and mirror your life in the way that you live your life onto someone else's and say well i get my shit done so you can get your shit done because it's not the same it's not the fucking same people deal with different stuff so yeah i think maybe that's my answer i don't know no i mean it's, it's a good answer i 
I agree with 99% of it. Um, for me, the short answer is yes, like firmly yes. Um, and also I think about our job as I'm going to put like a precursor here. I think about our job as coaches. So if you are a, a coach, a motivator, um, a mentor, a teacher of any sort, your job is to mold or to use a less, um, or I guess more infamous word, like manipulate the, your pupils or the people who are paying you into success, into a su successful path, right? Mind fuck them. That's a yeah, exactly. Yeah, mind, mind fuck them. Exactly. Um, and so empathy and manipulation are two sides of the same coin. Typically, if you're really good at being able to express empathy, you're really good at manipulating people because you can understand human emotion and you understand what triggers certain things and how to skirt and, you know, kind of work around certain others. Um, I know that will be triggering for some people because they typically view people who are like master manipulators as bad people. But I do strongly believe that if you understand how to manipulate human emotion and interactions and get what you want from people, that means you must understand people pretty deeply, at least in an analytical term, if not even deeper in a more emotional way. I mean, there you you can say therapists are manipulators. Yeah, exactly. People feel better. Hundred percent. Coaches, like you have to manipulate young players into being great players. Like the word itself is is a neutral one, but it's morphed into this you know derogatory term. But um, I digress, like always. But um, my point there though is that if you are at any point in time belittling your clients or belittling your pupils or the people who are asking you for help by making their problems seem like they're not large. Because even if it seems objectively small to you, it's large to them. And your job is to help them through that and telling them that it's not a big deal or that they should just suck it up because everyone else does. You are not doing your job and you are a shitty coach or a shitty mentor or a shitty teacher and you should just go do something else. Go work at Walmart or some shit. Same token. Everyone has the same 24 hours in my opinion. Short people in certain categories. If you're looking for good, uh, not idols, but good um, models, right? If you're like, hey man, I am a young entrepreneur and I have a wife and two dogs. I have a young budding company and I'm just really wondering, like I'm really hard on myself. And then you look over to the right and you see in a young Alex Ramosi and you're like, okay, cool. Like this guy's got a fucking motor on, right? realistically have a lot of the same fucking responsibilities so i have to now like reconcile is he doing more than me because he's better than me or is he just willing to wake up at 4 a.m every day is he just willing to go to bed at 11 p.m every day and i'm not willing to sacrifice that is he willing to tell layla hey i'm not gonna make it to dinner tonight you know like is he willing to sacrifice those things i'm not and if so that's okay but i have to be able to say that's cool i'm not willing to give that to get to where he's going I don't think that you should compare yourself to fucking like LeBron James and like his his accessibility and abilities and what he can do and how he can multitask by what is accessible to him. However, I still bring it back to everyone has the same 24 hours, but we're all at different point in times on our own timeline because LeBron's 24 hours today looked very different than it did when he was 16. Might have looked a lot more like rough before he had anything. Just him and his mom, like moving around, nowhere to go. Some would say like most kids would crumble under that. Like he thrived. He found a way to to push forward. Parents, people who have lawyers, doctors, surgeons, 
yes, you objectively has, have less discretionary time than, say, a teacher who gets a summer off. However, you chose to fill your time with those things. So you took your same 24-hour bucket and you allocated it to kids or a profession or, you know, some hobby. To then backtrack and kind of like wave a white flag and go, please pity me because I have less time than that person. That's where it gets, it gets iffy because I'm like, eh, you chose to fill your time with that. You chose to be in that space. So you saying I can't work out four times a week anymore is something that you have to, you deal with that yourself. You can't blame other people or your job for that because you knew taking that job that you'd either A, have to get up earlier, go get up earlier or go to bed later or sacrifice going at all. You made that conscious decision. And so going out and saying someone feel bad for me or stop telling me that I'm not good enough or whatever, whatever the rhetoric is, rhetoric, not rhetoric, rhetoric is, um, you know, I, I think that's where I kind of like lie in the middle where I'm like, I, I kind of am on the same side. I have context, contextual empathy here for you. But if you're asking me to feel sorry for you, I don't. I, I also am not someone who feels sorry for people. Um, and there's also a big difference between empathy and sorry, right? Like, right. like that's huge. That's a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, if you're a coach, you should not pity your clients should let them know that you empathize with their situation and here's how we're going to get you out of that situation, right? It's not just, oh, what was you? Sorry about that. Like, you know, it does suck. You're not going to be able to do this. I have no answers for you. It's like, okay, well, my job is to be a problem solver. So yes, while I do empathize with the situation that you're in, let's figure out how to solve this issue. Let's figure out how to get you out of this problem that you're dealing with, right? And like what you said, a lot of, maybe not all, but a lot of these things are or can be traced back to specific choices that are made. So that lends itself to priorities as well. So if you are someone who is struggling to get in, you know, a workout, like uh, an hour workout three times a week, and you're saying, I don't have the time. Well, how many fucking hours are there in a week? I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot, <laughs> but if I can do the math real quick, but, um, saying that you can't get three hours out of fucking 180, I don't know that that seems, um, like that, that's less than, I mean, that's 1%. That's about 1%, right? That's not a good argument, argument for me because I can say, oh no, no, like you can do pushups at home. You can do split squats at home. We can do shit at home. Right. If you have no other options, we can make it work. You telling me that you can't get in three workouts per week is you telling me you don't want to get in three workouts per week. That. Because I remember during COVID, during lockdowns, I had clients fucking standing on chairs, rigging shit up crazy, like doing lateral raises with milk jugs, like. They, they were resourceful. They figured shit out. That's another aspect of this too, right? It's, it's being resourceful. It's figuring out how to solve these problems, figuring out ways around roadblocks or barriers that inevitably will come up. Nothing is ever linear. It's never going to be a straight line from point A to point B. Most people understand that, but it comes down to what are your priorities? Do you prioritize this enough to be willing 
to take a detour and still stay on that general point A to point B path. Or if you have to detour, you're just never going to get back on the path, right? Yeah. A lot of people are that way. They had to have perfect situations for them to be able to go from point A to point B and achieve their goals. And if things deviate a little bit, they throw their hands up. They're like, I can't do this. Like, I don't have enough time. Like, like I'm too busy. I'm too stressed. My life is too hard. And then once you get to that point, it's like, all right, well, I, I know that you're not taking this that seriously, you know? Yeah. And again, this is washing away a lot of context. There are people who never get a moment to be away from their newborn child. And if they do get a moment, they're sleeping or they're working. And that is a different context, right? That is 100% a different context. That's a different conversation. Most people aren't that. Most people are not that. And most people that we're talking about and that we would be talking to are not that person. It's it's a resourcefulness issue and it's a, a prioritization issue. And then to go back to a conversation that we had right before we started recording, it's an agency issue. Yeah. And Chris, do you want to tell people what agency means? Since Bryce, we're just for the listeners that are slow here. Bryce, Bryce didn't think I knew what agency. He asked, do you know what the word is for that? And I'm like, <laughs> I just assumed that it had to be some complex, obscure fucking Latin word, right? I'm like, all right, it's something that he pulled out of his ass this morning. Um, they go, agency. I'm like, oh, yes, I know this word. And I'm actually kind of insulted you didn't think I knew this word. Um, I actually think with context clues, you could understand it pretty easily. But either way, obviously, you have people who have high and low agency, people who completely relinquish their agency to their circumstance, right? The idea that I cannot overcome the socioeconomic structure of things. I can't overcome, you know, the current lifestyle that I have and the responsibilities that I have. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things where I personally feel like the reason why people are that way. And as a person who I think has relatively high agency, because I refuse to feel victimized by things. If you could go back and chart something and say, Hey, Chris, 99% probability and 99% allocation of blame falls external to you. I would fixate on that 1% because that's just kind of how I am. I'm like, well, if I could have changed 1%, then I could have, I could have altered something. I could have affected this in a more positive way. That's not most people. I, I have a very toxic responsibility seeking habit. And so, um, toxic, not in a negative way, more so like it can, it can unravel me sometimes in that way. But I don't think anything's bad about that. I'd rather people be that way than like consistently shirking responsibility. You're always looking for an opportunity to say, this is why I cannot. And please exonerate me from, you know, I, I think that is, I just quickly tune it out no matter how dire the situation, because it's like, oh, well, you're not here for help or assistance. You know, you're here to complain. And I'm like, I just don't have time for it. I don't, I don't want to complain. I'll talk to you. I will listen to you. And I want to hear your story. I want to understand you. And then eventually, when you're ready, I want to help you solve it. Like, I don't want to just sit in this, like, defeatist place for fucking ever. Like, I just not, I mean, that's not a fun place for anybody. Like, why are we here? And, you know, um, and so circling back, now you guys all know what agency means. If you didn't know, like, Bryce thought I didn't. And um, hopefully, you know, you realize that there's something in the middle, right? There's, there's room for being able to say, life happened. Some shit just happened and I could not control it or I couldn't control it from where I'm at currently. And I think that's a piece that kind of gets lost, but I think it's tough to articulate, meaning 
you might be in a really shitty situation right now. You might be in a fuck ton of debt. You might be currently divorced. You might be a, you know, a single parent um, with no job. I guess, and this, again, this might be that toxic responsibility-seeking attitude. If we traced your timeline back far enough, could we find decisions that you made that led to your less than advantageous circumstance? My bet is yes. And so I think that if we could get more people to start there, then empathy grows quickly for me. I don't know. I'm sure it does for you as well. But like the whole idea of like, I want to help those who are already helping themselves. But if you walk up to me with your hand out, I'm less, I, I could have fucking a billion back here. And I'm like, eh, you can have a buck, bro. Like get out of my face. But if you're out there just fucking hustling, slinging candy bars from 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m., I will buy all your fucking candy, bro. Like, that's here you go, man. And I will overpay it. I will pay three times market value for your candy because you're fucking hustling. That, to me, is what I'd like to see from more people. But I don't think people know how to play in the middle and go, you know what? Today sucked. The game is rigged. But it's like, even in that statement, it's like you kind of release the last end of the paradox. It's a game. If it can be rigged, it can be gamed. It can be broken. It can be cheated. You can overcome that aspect. This is just me thinking as like a former gamer. Um, there are ways around certain things. You can get to a level that seems insurmountable and then you find a little like tweak in the game. Well, wait, if I just like hang out over here, then I'm not in the middle. I can kill them all from here. And then I don't have to worry about going in and doing it the hard way or doing it the way that's kind of rigged against me and made for me to lose. I can find a way to win in the situation, but you have to want to find the way. Yeah. And I, I like to think of this as just going back to the agency thing, because I don't think that this can be emphasized strongly enough is I think of agency as being someone who can see the solution to the problem and work their way backwards rather than seeing the problem, understanding that the solution is going to take a lot of hard work and then shutting down and being like, I'll never get there. Right. Like that is a low agency person, but that's most people. That's most people because they see, they see over the, the horizon, right? Like they're like, I, I can fucking taste it. I know exactly what I need to do, but it's connecting do with words and thoughts and understanding of how to do that is really challenging and insurmountable for most people. It honestly is insurmountable because there's just something that is preventing that connection from being made saying like, I know what I need to do. Why can I not take action to actually get me there? And a lot of people can't bring those things to fucking gather for whatever reason. You don't, I was going to ask, what do you think it is? Because I have an inclination of what I think it is. Uh, I think a lot of it is fear of failure, for one, fear of hard work, two, and inability to suppress or relinquish your ego as another big aspect, too. Because a lot of things require admitting that you're not as great as the the portrait or mask that you're putting on every day, right? So a good example of this is making money is fucking easy. Making money is super easy, right? Like what you just talked about, dude on the corner just selling fucking candy. You remember a couple of years ago, whenever we were at, we were at six months before, and those, those kids came in and tried to sell us candy. Well, they did sell us candy because I fucking bought candy. Yeah. yeah. They were walking door to door and waiting in this parking lot, just trying to sell people candy. It could have been poisoned. I could have had no candy in there. It could have been 
knockoff bullshit. I have no idea, but I was like, you know what? I respect the fact that you were walking around selling candy to random people that you've never met. I respect that so much. I will buy this fucking candy from you. Like legitimately, I, like that's how much I respect that because most people would not be willing to put their ego aside and do something like that. Granted, they were kids, but now let's extrapolate this out to adults, right? How many adults would be willing to drive Uber to make money? That's, and that's like, obviously we have searches for a reason, right? Like there's not a, there's not an overabundance of them. So a good example of this is if you were to ask me if I needed money, would I start driving Uber? You know what? I would probably say no. And it's, it, it's an ego thing for me. Mm -hmm. It literally is an ego thing. And it's funny because I would consider myself like a high agency person. Yeah. But that, that would be, dude, that would be very hard for me. That would be extremely challenging because there is an admittance to that, that would say I'm struggling. I'm struggling financially. And this is, this is the easiest way or the only way that I'm able to make the money that I need or make the additional money that I need, whatever. Right. Maybe that's not even, maybe that's not even what it is. Maybe I'm doing really well. I just want to make additional money. Right. But the right. perception is if you were driving Uber, then you're, you're struggling financially. And for me to remove the mask of prosperity and doing well, and you know, all of this shit that I like, I wear every day or I try to wear every day that we all put on to remove that mask and like push my ego aside and say, no, I'm doing what I need to do to make money. Right. Dude, that like, that would, oof, man, that'd be fucking hard man yeah, the about that that is so hard the last piece is what like landed for me because i'm sitting here and i'm thinking and i'm like i would for sure like dude me and mario have talked about it like you know should they move out here i'm like dude i'll barton with you on the weekends i don't know i don't fuck but i'll barton with you on the weekends like i've told him i was like hey if you leave for a weekend like i'm registered for uber like i will just drive around like i'm i'm, I'm bored i think the part that you said the mask would i bartending i'd probably post and share stories with bartending typically like a high fun you know whatever but like what i post while i was at its job it's yeah, but what, what i post while driving uber like hey yeah out driving uber right now like i probably wouldn't be like as boisterous about like, hey look what i'm doing right now you know and and i wouldn't even consider uber to be like a low status job right because you implicitly have to have a car to drive yeah. uber. not everybody has a car i mean would you would you take a job as a janitor at a company you used to work for? Like, like if you were a sales rep and if you left and if you were struggling financially in the future, would you then in the future take a job as a janitor at that same building with all the people that you used to work, you used to work with and used to work for? Like that's maybe a better yeah, example because it's, dude, it's, again, you, we all know how to make money. Mm -hmm. all know what we need to do. And a lot of times we have to do what we don't want to do to make right. money. And people will complain about that and be like, oh, fucking capitalism. What? No, no, no. Like, that's not what this is. You have a value associated with your time mm -hmm. and your energy and your effort and your expertise. We all have values. That is a shitty way of looking at things, but it's the reality. And you can't close your mind and close your eyes to the reality of the situation. If 
I'm providing a very, very, very high value for my time and my expertise. People will pay me more money for my time and my expertise. Granted, people end up in bad situations, right? So maybe with like a pursuit of happiness thing where Will Smith waiting around for like the right opportunity, right time, and like people are just overlooking him. And that's fine, right? That motherfucker still did what he had to do, right? He still was doing what he needed to do because he was a high agency person. Right. That's the difference. There are a lot of people who may have the expertise. They may have the knowledge. They may be extremely capable people if given the opportunity, but they're so low fucking agency that they'll never allow themselves to be put in the position to be found yeah. by people that could give them that opportunity because they can't put their ego aside and they can't make that connection from talking about, oh my God, like I'm, I'm so left out of the capitalist system. I'm so overlooked. Everything's rigged against me. It's bullshit. They talk about that. They complain about that. But if they were just fucking shut up and do things, mm -hmm. they would know if it's really a system against them or if they just suck. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's how it is. LeBron James gets paid $100 million a year because he's the best basketball player that has ever lived. I don't get paid money for my basketball fucking prowess because I'm not good at basketball or at least not good enough that people want to pay me to watch me play basketball, right? Right. There's a big disconnect there. LeBron probably would not be paid for the same things that I would be paid for. Or shit, maybe he would be because he's LeBron James. And like at that right. point, people just think that you know what you're doing. Pay for everything, yeah. Exactly. But there's there's a difference, right? Like Brad Pitt is not going to cross over and play basketball for the NBA. LeBron is not going to be starring in fucking Oscar-worthy movies, Right, other than maybe as like a random dude throwing, yeah, yeah, not he was in maybe not, right? not winning Academy Awards for like right. best actor, you know what I mean? But that's the difference. Like we all have skills, we all have value, but but you have to be able to understand and slot yourself in to where you currently are at your stage or position in life. You have to be able to like see things objectively and be able to analyze that and say like, what do I need to do? Like, yeah. what do I actually need to do right now in this instance? But just going back to like the Uber example, I, I'm not going to throw out anybody's names. We have a close friend mm -hmm. who does drive for Uber. Fucking hustler. And whenever he told me that, I was like, dude, I don't know if I've ever respected you more than I respect you right now. And like, he's been like our friend for a long, long, long time. And whenever he told me that, I was like, dude, like, I don't know how other people are seeing this. I don't know how you perceive this yourself, but like, I... Don't worry about me, man. Like, as soon as yeah. you said that, like, I have never respected him more than in that moment where I was like, dude, that tells me that, like, you're a high agency person. And, like, if you're a high agency person, I want to be around you, yep. right? Because I know that you're willing to do the hard things that you know that you need to do. And that is, like, like, can you think of a more important quality than that? No. I mean, I literally, I literally, when he told me that, I was like, dude, that's dope shit. And if you need a talking buddy while you're driving around or whatever, like don't hesitate to like reach out and call if you get bored on, you know, on your runs or whatever, you know, like people just doing what they had to do. And it's funny because I do want to make a point that people are not stagnant, right? A lot of people tend to hang out in the, the, the buckets that they spend the most time in, or maybe have just kind of like grown up in or what they've seen, but people wax and wane in agency also sometimes based on like situations right and so seeing situations get really grim for people and them assume 
maybe even more agency than they had prior to the situation get to, the, to the situation getting more difficult is is a huge quality that like you like, wants to look at and go dude like yes like I want you around I I want to be like that I want I hope that I show up that way when shit hits the fan for me because it's not easy it's much easier just to cower and hope that people will give you a pass or an excuse and feel pity for you. But instead, you're like, yeah, you can keep that. I'd rather just take back this control, get myself back on my feet and do my own thing. Like it goes back to like my, my thought process. And I think you added some color to this with the ego aspect of it, because I do think that that is a big point of contention that needs to be dissolved first. Um, especially because I think my situation or my thought process on why people can't bridge that gap between what I need to do and doing it is the fact that you have to, I think it's Maya Angelou. Um, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond med- but beyond measure. And the idea of that is that in assuming or recognizing your agency, you have to now come to terms with your life is the way it is because you let it be that way. And that's a really hard thing to face, to look in the mirror and go, shit's fucked up for me and a lot of it's my fault. And so it's a lot easier to go, no, it's everything else. It's this and it's that and it's this and it's that. And that's hard. I understand that. I've been there. It's fucking difficult. But it's so much more freeing and empowering and all the other fucking trigger, happy Instagram spiritual words to be on the other side of it and say, you know what? I'm going to own this shitty and I'm going to make my way out of it as opposed to being like, I'm just going to just sit here and just smell like this forever because this is just this is just it. I, I didn't do this and this just happened to me and blah, blah, blah. I can't resonate with that. Like you said, I, I, I seek to be around people. I've cut friends off, not because they did anything to me. I literally had a friend who every time I talked to him, if he had a different job, it was, man, they was tripping. They was, they was, they was, they been they all the time. It was they, 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 they. And I'm like, it can't always be someone else, bro. It can't like that is, absurd to me like it is mind-boggling that your brain can even work that way and i don't want to be anywhere near you i love you but i cannot be near this energy because it makes me want to punch babies no i um i i think that that is like that's the biggest thing for me and we talked about this before and you know how much i hate whenever people make excuses and how much i hate whenever people are always a victim of, of surroundings and they're they're a victim to life right it is always they it's them it's you know the the system it's corporations it's politicians or in relationships it's always he or she they i'm like do you it's, was it it's a the algorithm it's the, like you know what i mean it's the algorithm like they're suppressing me right and like even that one i'm like i have to be careful because i'm like why why am i like not getting as much engagement as i think that this should be and then it's a moment of realization it's like oh it's because i'm not putting out content that is good enough for people to give a shit about, right? Because if you really think about it, if if you're a content creator, if you're putting out content that is actually good, people will see it because people will send it to their friends and then those people will send it to their friends. And then all of a sudden, you have a fucking million followers and you're getting a ton of engagement if you're putting out content that people actually care about, right? Exactly. That's the disconnect. Like, and again, that's something I always, I even find myself struggling with like, motherfucker, I, I think this is a good post. I think this one's good. 
And then if it doesn't do as well as I thought that it was going to, I'm like, fucking bitch, Instagram, Meta, like fuck you, right? Your point. Not to interrupt you to your point. You made it earlier, and I, I, I screamed this so loud that our neighbors probably heard. Back to your point, people pay you what you're worth. I don't care if you have a DR in front of your name, an RD after your name, a this after your name, a this underneath your your prerequis- prerequisites. You can go and you can say what you're worth. But people tell you what you're worth by what they're willing to pay you, right? Like Staples can sell the same fucking computers as Best Buy, but you pay more at Best Buy and people still show up because those motherfuckers have blue shirts on and that's what they trust and that's what they're willing to pay for. If you you have to humble yourself in that aspect and understand that, dude, you can sit there and you can place this value on yourself. You can say whatever, like my 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 content's great. I'm putting out really quality content. They're putting out trash content. They're putting out content that, yeah, sure, it's simple. It seems easy. It seems surface or superficial. However, people want to digest it. And if you want those same people, then you have to stop fucking whining and just figure out how to infuse what people are looking for into your own shit so they're willing to gravitate and digest what you have to say. I have three additional things that I want to say, and then we can be done. Yeah. Hurry. All right. Expanding on what you're just talking about, I think that this is a really good parallel with AI. Mm. Because AI has the potential to replace a lot of potential jobs, or it has the potential to replace a lot of tangible jobs. And that makes people very upset because they're saying I am being put out of work by something that can be automated. I don't empathize with that at all. Not at all. Maybe that makes me cold and callous and mean, but that's logical, but I agree, but it's okay because I also can view this from the perspective of my own job and say, well, if AI can do my job, then why the fuck would someone pay me more money if they can just go into chat GPT and be like, hey, create me a training program for X, Y, and Z goal. And then if they have a question about that, just immediately go back in and say, hey, like, can I sub this exercise for that one? If it can do that better than me, why would someone pay me $500 a month? Right. And that's that's the question, right? Like, That's the $100 billion question we're talking about is... If you can go to Midjourney and say, I want uh, a scenic view of mountains in the style of Vincent Van Gogh, and it can give you that in 30 seconds, better than fucking Vincent Van Gogh would be able to do it in 30 years. Why? Why are people expected to continue to pay more money to human artists? Right. Right. That is me being a fucking meanie, and I get that, right? But at the same time, you have to understand reality. These things aren't going away. You have to understand how to how to work with a new world that they exist in. Same thing, like, were you upset about being able to get places faster whenever fucking automo- automobiles were made and ousted horses? Like, like, yeah, that's shitty for horses. But, like, at the same time, you have to understand how to make yourself valuable in a world where the value is consistently shifting. Yeah. If you are a static person and you have one skill set, you're vulnerable. You're seriously vulnerable. So a lot of people who have recently gone to school for coding yeah, because they were told that the future is going to be built on software. Well, they also maybe weren't told that the software is going to be able to write the software. Write the code. I don't think the humans are going to be able to write the software. So like <laughs> that's challenging, right? Because now 
you have AI code generation. So you have to figure out how to make yourself valuable in a dynamic world. And again, that requires a lot of agency. Another aspect that I wanted to talk about was you mentioned it's really easy to feel highly agentic whenever things are going well, but whenever things take a turn, like, do you maintain that high agency? Do you continue to do the things that need to be done whenever they're not going as well? This is shifting back to our motivation versus discipline conversation at the beginning, right? Are you motivated by things going well? So that just compounds your motivation. And then you tell yourself that you're a high agency person. Or are you someone who can lean into the discipline of your agency whenever things are going poorly? And it feels like the world's collapsing on top of you, right? Because that's where discipline comes in. You have to be disciplined if you are wanting to exert agency on the world, right? Because right. it allows you to withstand shit that is going to happen. The, it, like Life happens in cycles. We've experienced that even with working together. We're like, we've experienced the euphoria of like, holy shit, we're going to be rich and retire and this is never going to end. Like, it's amazing. We're living like the best life ever. I can't believe we get to do this shit. To like, fuck, man, are we even going to be able to make it to next month? Like, how? Are, what are we doing, right? We've experienced that. But luckily, we both were able to lean into our discipline and our, our level of agency at the time to get through those really, really hard and challenging times. And I think because of that now, we've been hardened to know that we can't just rely on, on motivation to get us through all cycles of life and all cycles of business. We have to be disciplined, even when things are going really well, to not think that they'll always go that well, right? Like you have to have a certain level, of, like you said, humility. You have to be humble. You have to know that even whenever like fucking life is tricking you and it's giving you everything that you're wanting, it's not always going to be like that. There are going to be ebbs and flows. All right. Last point. I promise. Okay. So you did mention something about like, you know, whenever you're in these like very, very, very deep, dark positions, right? Like you have to be able to admit to yourself that you are in that position because of your own choices your life is hard or your life is bad or you're at rock bottom because of you and your life choices. But you have to be able to admit that before you can change anything, right? If you're consistently pointing the finger outside elsewhere, like you're never going to do anything different. So your life is never going to get better. For me, I can look to a very specific time in my life whenever I decided like I was just going to be a high agency person. Like I was just going to be someone who started taking responsibility for my choices and my actions and get the fuck over it right. make shit happen. That was in 2020. That was as I was going through a separation. That's as the world felt like it was falling apart. I felt like I wasn't going to have a job whenever I woke up the next day. Like all of these things that I felt like were collapsing on top of me. And one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? Like this is my fucking fault. Like, I did this to myself. Who do I have to be mad at? I can't be mad at Alex, my ex-wife. What did she do that would have put me in that position? I can't be mad at my friends who decided to, like, separate and distance themselves from me because I forced them into that position. I couldn't be mad at the clients who were leaving me at that time because gyms were closed and they had no need to have a trainer at that time, a remote trainer, like, why would they waste money to continue to work with me, right? I couldn't be mad at anybody else. 
I had to be upset at myself, but I had to like literally look at myself in the mirror and be like, all right, bro, like what the fuck are you going to do though? Like, what are you doing? Like, how, how are you moving forward from this? Are you just going to sit and wallow in your own fucking pity? Or are you going to get up? You're going to send some emails. You're going to send some client check-ins. You're going to figure your shit out with your ex-wife and you're going to move forward, right? You're going to do the same shit that you've always done, but just learn how to take responsibility and accept that the reason that you're in this difficult place is because you're a piece of shit and you have been a piece of shit. So maybe tomorrow will be less of a piece of shit, right? That is the moment that my life turned around legitimately. Like that's the moment my life turned around and it all stems from the fact of me just being like, you know what? This is my fault. I got myself here, but I can also get myself out. Yeah. And I got myself out and my life is infinitely better now because of it. But most people will never get to that point of being able to like actually look themselves in the mirror and point the finger at themselves and say, this is me. <laughs> this is my fault. I did this shit. The reason I'm not successful is because of me. The reason I don't have a million followers is because of me. The reason my boyfriend left me is because of me. Like maybe not that one, but anyway, you know, you know what I mean? Like the reason my life is hard or not the way that I want it to be. It's ultimately at the end of the day because of the choices that we, I, you make. So, um, you know, just to wrap this up, at least from my perspective, I don't have anything else to say. Like, I, I do want to just re-emphasize if you can break everything down into and reduce it to agency. And you can say, am I being a highly agentic person right now? Am I exerting my agency on the world? Or am I talking about doing right? Am I a doer or am I a talker? And we talked about this before many times. Like, are you a complainer or are you someone who's going to talk about the problems? Or are you going to be the solution, the solver of problems? You have to figure out what type of person you're going to be. And like, like truly, if most people could think of things in those terms and like see the world that way, it would be amazing how much different their lives would be. Yeah. No, I mean, those are all really good points. And I think they obviously add a lot of color. I appreciate, you know, know that the listeners appreciate you. Like, and I think people always ask about us being more um, vulnerable and open and real. And so like, whenever we can have those moments to share organically for people, I'm sure that they definitely appreciate it. So uh, nice job. I, um, it's funny because as I was listening and even earlier when you were, when you were talking, um, you know, for people who don't know, Bryce knows, I'm a big time Survivor fan. Right. And so Survivor is a show actually all about all about overcoming adversity and odds and stuff like that, because like very rarely are people put in winning situations on the show, which is why I love it. And I want to play it. Last year, I actually applied and made it all the way to the final round, met Jeff Probst, the, the, the host, and, you know, had conversation and I never got a call back. And so, of course, initially I'm like, okay, like I didn't expect to get that far. And then when I got into it, I've always been the kind of person that's like, if I can get in the room, I'm getting it. Like this, let me in the room and I'm going to get it. And this might be the first time in my life where I got in the room and I didn't get it. And so of course like, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that sucks. And maybe it's like, they mentioned the idea of them wanting certain personalities for the show and making sure that there was contrastingly, um, or contrasting enough like people, right. They don't want all the same kind of person or two different people acting the same way. But, um, it's funny because I went through a breakup and I used that as the reason why I didn't submit a video this year. 
and it really wasn't like the video is fucking five minutes right like and i had a lot to say i would have had a great story to tell i was traveling the whole fucking country but i know that a lot of it came from like the the humility aspect right like can i can i submit again and maybe not get a call back can i submit again and maybe make it far again and not get you know the nod to go into the show um do i want to do all that again do i want to get my hopes up again for you know the experience of a lifetime like literally like would change my entire life even if just internally being able to experience that let alone the things that i could do because i am confident i would win that motherfucker but it, it definitely held me back and so i was talking to um one of the winners from past seasons and he and i just kind of dived deep into that and i was like yeah no like i i definitely probably held back on sending another video and used the crutch of my instability but knowing that it was because last time didn't go that well for me. But being able to get up again, recognize those low agentic moments and go, you know what? That's not who I want to be. I want to take back this and this is going to happen because I'm going to make it happen. And it's not them. It's not the world or anything else. It's on me and I can make it happen because there's no one stopping me except for me. So um, it's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. And we'll close on that here. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, obviously went a little long today, but this was definitely one of those hot topics. We wanted to make sure that we were able to give proper context on, because again, we have empathy for the, the myriad of lives of those who are listening and what each of you have as your own individual challenges. And we wanted to pay respect to those. And we also want to encourage you to, own your life and own the pieces of your life that you can control and focus your attention there and less on the places where you lack control or maybe have a little less agency, you know, over the situation. So, um, let us know what you think. Call us assholes in the comments, like share. Um, you know, we are anxious to hear what you guys have to say, but thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.